Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 248. John and Wendy, welcome back. Melanie Peacock. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I am well. We are well into December and very excited to once again be sponsored by our friends over at Talent Magnet Institute. Mike Simple Jr., thank you so much for being with us till the end. I think what's really cool, and I'm not telling stories out of turn, Wendy, I don't think, Mike has announced that he is bringing the Talent Magnet Institute podcast back in the new year. We may not be producing content then. You can always take that time that you were listening to us and listen to Mike if you weren't before, because he puts out great yep. stuff. And we were yes, I was really excited when he told me he was going to bring the show back. Wendy, you had a couple weeks off. <laughs> we did the Thanksgiving show where we talked pop culture. Yep. And then I had Paul Lalone back with me to talk wrestling. And we mm-hmm. had Chris Hadley with us for that conversation. How was it to have a extended break like this before <laughs> and then come back? Well, you know, it it never feels like a break because we're always doing something. Um, you know, we're working on the chat or, um, you know, and we've we've had a few uh, trying to get scheduled with Melanie. And we've got a couple, you know, what, two more episodes to record uh, before it's all said and done. I, it was nice. It was a foretaste of what's what's to come, I guess, of having some free nights again. <laughs> One night we're not going to have free, if you're listening to this in real time, is this coming Sunday, the yep. 11th. That will be the last HR Social Hour chat on Twitter for the year. 7 o'clock Eastern time. Mm-hmm. We'll be out there chatting, kind of reflecting on the year and all the good things that have been going on. We do want to make it very clear, though, that the second chat of the month would be on Christmas Day. Many of the listeners are celebrating Christmas, including us, and I will not be in Richmond. I'll be in Kentucky with my dad. No chat on Christmas Day. I think that's the first time that's ever happened, that it's happened to fall that way on the calendar, I'm fairly sure. I think so. Rest assured, we will be back the second week in January. As long as Twitter's standing, folks, we're going to keep reiterating that. (laughs) We want to continue to be a positive presence there. Yes. And we want to continue to have our conversations there. We hope you will join us and continue to join us there. If things go sideways and the platform falls apart, we did put out contact information, how to get a hold of us outside of Twitter, and we would regroup and try to find something different. For now, please join us on the 11th. If you're listening in real time this coming weekend, join us for that conversation reflecting on the year, and then we'll be back better than ever in January. <laughs> 2023. Let's try another year. <laughs> Indeed, because that will be, gosh, going into what, year six, I guess, for us, right? For the chat? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So June of uh, 23 will be six years of the Twitter chat. Please help us with ideas of what to chat about, folks. We're we're coming up dry. (laughs) That is true. And what we found is that when we have co-hosts, like we just recent guest of the show and, and good friend and number one fan undisputed, when Mary Williams, her conversation, the idea of talking about Gratitude was a tremendous conversation. We had a lot of new people involved. We Mm -hmm. want to do more of those in the new year. Yes. One thing I would respectfully ask, if you're listening to the show, you're probably been part of a chat. I put it out there like, hey, if anybody wants to do it and somebody I don't know, hey, I'll do it. Yeah, that's not really, if you want to (laughs) come check out a few before you ask. That's all I ask is is this is not just to pop in because you you may not like it. Want to make sure we put that out there too. As we get to these final handful of episodes, Wendy, as we started looking at the calendar, we said, without a doubt, we knew of two people we wanted to have right at the end. This is one of them, our favorite Canadian. I'll let you make the introduction and we will get started. 
Yeah, so excited to welcome everyone's favorite Canadian, Melanie Peacock, back to the show. She has over 30 years of experience as an HR management professional. She is an associate professor at Mount Royal University and past president of the Faculty Association. She has been extensively involved in professional HR initiatives as a senior manager, independent consultant, and educator, and works with clients through her company, Double M Training and Consulting. Melanie was presented with HRD's 2020 Lifetime Achievement Award in the HR industry at the Canadian Canadian HR Awards and was recently named by HRD for the third year in a row to the list of the top 100 HR global professionals. A proud Canadian, proud member of our community, a proud mom and wife, and yes, she is proud as a peacock, of course. So Melanie, as always, uh, we're so excited to have you here, but first question, what is in your glass? Hello, and thank you for that kind introduction, John and Wendy, and what's in my glass? I'm a proud and cold Canadian right now. It is chilly in Calgary. So I have a lovely cup of tea. I am warming the cockles of my heart. I'm thinking of my mom who would say, I'm enjoying a nice cuppa. That was an expression she would have used. I'm having a nice cuppa. So that's what's in my glass tonight. This is usually where I say something where I'm glad it's not kombucha, but I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying that tea. <laughs> Melanie, again, we were so appreciative of you making time to be able to join us. And it's hard to believe you last appeared. We did a special episode back in June of 2020 when none of us could go to the big HR conference that was going on. And you joined us for that with a panel of your peers. What have you been up to since then? Yeah, and here we are as I'm enjoying my tea. We're going to spill the tea. What have I been doing? Living the dream, my friends. And I say that a little facetiously, but... You know, it is a dream in some ways. When I say I'm living the dream, I want to elaborate on that. I don't know about you and the rest of the wonderful people tuning in, but some mornings I still wake up and I have to think, what day is it? I'm still a bit <laughs> discombobulated, even though I have a routine. And the pandemic has really shifted our thinking and shaken our grounding, maybe not literally, but certainly figuratively. What I've been doing since then is a lot of deep thinking. You know, it's been a lot of change that we've all experienced personally, professionally. And you think, oh, I'm always thinking. Aren't we always all thinking? No. What I've been doing is, <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> so honest as you always are, Wendy. Thinking so much about many different things, but a lot about endings. That's why it's so fitting that we're here together chatting tonight. And I'm so honored that as you're wrapping up the podcast that I've been asked to be included, because I have been spending a lot of time thinking about endings. And that sounds maybe a little macabre, but it's not, because part of that thinking is when something ends, something else is beginning. But that whole process of ending is I've been spending a lot of time on that. Got us real deep right up front there, Melanie. Well, let's um, start with the light stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> very deep, very deep. Like we said, there's there's been so many changes and, and a lot of time to think and watch and, and observe. How have you seen the education landscape change? I, I don't want to say post-pandemic because we're still, we're kind of in, I, think I saw someone say phase four of, <laughs> of the pandemic or wherever we're at at this point. How has education changed and how have you made ad adaptations to how you teach? The education landscape has certainly changed through the use of technology. We've had to learn how to embrace that in ways we never thought possible or ways we didn't envision. So, you know, we could spend lots of time talking about, yeah, teaching online and 
using automation and ways to reach people and share material. But I think it's much deeper than that. And this is, ties nicely to something that's ending. It's changed the way we connect with other people and the way instructors have to be able to relate to and connect with students. It's taken it to a different level of compassion, vulnerability. What I've seen in the education landscape is teachers having to be more forthright and honest about, hey, this is what I'm experiencing and this is what I'm able to do. You know, letting down some of those walls, being a little more genuine with our students. We talk about, like Wendy, when you said phase four, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, is it going to be 4.7.165? What phase are we in now? You know, definitely not um, post-COVID. I would absolutely say that. Of course not. In some ways, maybe, maybe we're post-pandemic though, in the sense that, you know, we are able to see each other now. We're able to go to things face-to-face. So not post-COVID, but post-pandemic. And I think one of the difficulties, and I'm going to say faults in that, we talk about returning back to normal. Well, there is no going back to normal for work or for teaching. That's changed. There is no more normal. And I think what we're all trying to do in many ways is shift. Okay, we were doing this, and now we'll go back to doing that. That's a huge mistake, in my humble opinion. You know, you don't pivot. Here we go with that word again, and we'll all have the vision of the friend scene with the couch, you know, pivot, pivot. And, and what we're trying to do is just switch. Okay, so let's go back. It's a mistake to pivot, and I'm seeing this in the educational landscape, and I'm inviting our listeners to think about it in their own work and in their personal environments, too. Instead of pivoting, I think we have to transition. And that's not a, "Mm, let's turn on a dime and get this couch around the corner and get ourselves around the corner. We have to slowly shift. We have to gradually change and transition. And by doing that, it's not going to be the way it was before. Really, what we're seeing in education is what I'm seeing in the work world and I'm seeing in our personal lives is a willingness to still explore what can we do differently. Let's take some of the lessons from the pandemic. What went well? What stretched us? What put us out of our comfort zones? Yes, with technology, but beyond that, you know, in how we relate to one another, how we communicate, how we treat one another. What nuggets can we take as we transition and not pivot, you know, one way drastically to another, what can we learn and take with us? And that's what I'm seeing in the education landscape. Lots of discussion about that. Melanie, do you feel like the students are there for that? You're talking about it from your perspective as an educator, talking to other educators. We had Matt Stolick on a while back and he talked about how, as I recall, his observations were that the students were very hungry to be back in class, not necessarily doing remote, being there to learn adjusting as we all had to when it came to space and what have you. I like the idea of we are post-pandemic and now it's almost like COVID is almost like the flu or the chicken pox or something that's just going to be there. Where do you think the students are when it comes to this idea of shifting? I was talking with some post-secondary colleagues about this very recently, John, and you know, it was a bit of a honeymoon period. They were excited to be back. They were thrilled to be face-to-face. One of the cutest moments I can still recall is when a group of students in my class were chatting after the first class, introducing themselves to one another. And we were in class together last term. And they're like, what? And they recognized each other's by name, but of course not by face. And it was exciting, right? They got to meet each other. Then, boom, 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 chapter three. It's like a fairy tale. In the beginning, yay. Chapter three, boom, boom, boom. Oh, 
we have work to do. Oh, we have commute to do. Oh, this is a little different than I thought. Uh, again, with this, you know, instant pivot doesn't work. We need this time to flex. That's the word I was looking for. So some flexing as opposed to pivoting and transitioning. So the students I've observed who are amazing and continue to learn and just set a great example for our future, but they're struggling. They are trying to adjust to what does this mean and how do I move into an environment that I was away from for several years and readjust. And, you know, in a lot of ways, we have asked them to pivot. First, you were doing online. Now you're face to face completely. By the way, I haven't been doing that rebel that I am. I've been blending. I've been mixing. I've been shame on me using my doctoral work as a foundation for my real work and doing a lot of hybrid. And students have told me they love it because exactly without really maybe realizing what I've done is given them room to flex, to give time to adjust, to try and hopefully capture the best of both worlds as opposed to the worst of both worlds. They're suffering though. They are stressed. I think the mental pressure on them, trying to understand, trying to navigate, doesn't mean they're not going to be successful. They sure will. Like I've said, our future is in great hands. But uh, just when we think about what it's like for us to go back to work face-to-face, the students have been very parallel in their experiences. Melanie, we've been really fortunate over the years to have quite a few authors on the podcast, you among them. I think, though, one of the things that we've never talked about that I could remember, and when I sent Wendy the outline for the interview, she didn't call me on it. We've never talked to somebody that's written academically uh, about that process. Can you talk a bit about how it works? How do you perceive academic writing differing from others? And then do you have anything new coming up? What's next? Academic writing is very much peer-reviewed. It goes through stages where other people will put their academic lens and their perspective and experience to your writing. And of course, academic writing is building on the work of other people. Very much like a Jenga game, I would describe it, right? You have something, you build something else on top of it, you build something else on top of it. Oh, I like the Jenga analogy. Look at me patting myself on the back. Because you're, <laughs> don't you like that? What hubris. Because you pull out the wrong piece, though. Somebody says, I don't like this, and the whole thing topples. And then you're starting again. It's built on other people's work, and it's so as long as you cite them, right? We don't want any plagiarism. Really, it is like a big Jenga game. And having other people say, okay, pull this piece, don't pull this piece, or the whole thing will fall down. Maybe I should call it kerplunk, actually. When my kids were young, is that a memory for the rest of our listeners, right? Pull out this. And, so my kids used to love it when the marbles fell, just because they knew, oh, mom had to refix everything again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's where academic writing is too, right? The, oh, pull the wrong thing and the marbles fall and we've got to start again. Now, I know when you do other types of writing, other people, of course, edit and review your work, but it's different. It's a little more, I would say, free-flowing, a little more front of mind, based on your own experiences, your own perceptions, whereas academic writing is taking from others' work, others' research, and building on it. That said, I have, yes, written a few academic articles, but it's not my forte. I love writing academic textbooks, which, again, is very heavily peer-reviewed, has that same Jenga or Kruplunk analogy. And I love the textbooks because, rightly or wrongly, and if I'm wrong, nobody tell me, let me live with my own happiness. (laughs) I feel that I'm leaving a little bit of a legacy. I'm able to share my knowledge and impact the future HR professionals. I just love that. I'm very fulfilled and feel very blessed that I can take my technical academic 
HR knowledge and hopefully put it in engaging textbooks with examples and questions and scenarios that get students to have that practical application. Yes, there's a lot of theory and there's a lot of knowledge and competency behind what we all do as HR professionals, but hopefully to provide that in an engaging way for students to learn because really they are our future and we need to give them those skills and keep them motivated and interested and yet tell them, yeah, guess what? In the real world, this can happen. And so that it's not just pure theory. And what's next? It's so neat that you and Wendy are asking me this question because I think of that, I don't know if you remember the commercial where someone's on an airplane and they open up their uh, tray and there's a squirrel there. It's, it's, a, it's a commercial for Pepto-Bismol of all things. And I don't know why, but I've always found this thing the funniest thing ever. And he's like, there are many hot dogs in you. <laughs> the guy's eaten too much and now he needs the Pepto-Bismol. Where am I going with this? Oh, there are many stories. <laughs> what is happening to the show now? <laughs> We're coming to the end and it's going to the toilets. Okay. There are many, there are many hot dogs within you. Well, there are many stories within me. That's what's next. As I think of the end and I think of as I come to the twilight of my academic writing, I want to engage in more sharing of my experiences, helping other people and thinking about my experiences in leadership, thinking of my experiences being the first person to do certain things. In lots of introductions, I hear people introduce me, the first woman of color to do this, the first woman of color to do this. That's great, but there's some cost behind that. There's some lessons learned. I'm processing them myself. So I have to come to terms with them myself, first and foremost. This is part of my thinking about endings and what does it mean and what am I learning? And then my desire and my goal is to be able to share those with others. I love that. Along with the sharing, you have co-hosted several chats with us. Um, And so you can tell those that are listening how difficult it actually is. What did you learn from those experiences that you didn't expect? And what advice would you give to uh, someone who's thinking about co-hosting? So I learned that finger cramps are a real thing. (laughs) I've had some of our colleagues say, holy for holy, how did you keep up? And all these responses and, you know, having an active mind and being able to multitask, which we've all read is a bad thing for Twitter chats is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I've learned, didn't surprise me, but it, it was reaffirmation that although we work in different industries, different company sizes, have different HR roles. We share very similar experiences and the information and knowledge and the just the nuggets and the gems that are shared on those Twitter chats are so inspirational and helpful. What I'd share with anyone considering it is, yeah, you just take it. I'm stealing from Nike, R&D, Robin Duplicate. Just do it. You have to <laughs> jump in there and uh, the stretch, stretch those fingers. I know the listeners can't see me, but I'm doing jazz hands now. Stretch those fingers before you get in. Stretch your mind. Be willing to open to the ideas and the concepts. And what a beautiful way to engage with our community, our brilliant, dynamic community. The ideas that have been shared, the information I take away from it, I ruminate, I use it. It's a beautiful experience. And I would say with anyone, you know, John introduced today saying, if you have an idea for a topic, jump in. So many things that we encounter in our day-to-day lives, in our work, other people would like to comment on and learn from. So don't think that your idea is, ah, nah, that wouldn't work. Yes, it will. It will work. Just jump in there and do it. I will say, hands down, I think 
the best chat topic title we've ever had was my prof said. I can remember when you sent me that and I thought this is hysterical. It was a great conversation. Hands down, that is the best title we've had. You've been a part of our community since the beginning. You've been part of chats. You've been part of live events and we've been able to see each other at the big HR conferences. We get this question a lot, so we're going to turn it on you. What is your favorite HR social hour memory? I know one of your other guests cited this as their memory, but I, it's the same one for me is when we were all together at one of those big conferences and we had the cocktail hour and it was great. We had mocktails, which is important. And we had cocktails and we were all together in person, looking at each other, smiling, tweeting (laughs) online, even though we were together and just the energy and the affection. And we don't use that word a lot, right? We have to talk about, oh, we don't, we, shouldn't show emotion at work. And we certainly shouldn't show affection for one another, right? We talk a lot about harassment and those kind of things that I'm talking about appropriate affection, obviously, and appropriate boundaries. The affection was palpable. That will always be one of my special, special memories. That and someone being really annoyed, not saying any names, maybe it was me, uh, when the non-mocktails ran out. (laughs) And everyone was like, how can anybody... A small group like this drink all of that so quickly. <laughs> That's another memory. And we, we're, we've got skills, and we were still tweeting, and we were grammatically correct. <laughs> it was a beautiful occasion. We should take a moment to shout out Namely for sponsoring that chat and that event. Melanie, I will say the congregated group did not kill off those drinks. There were a lot of random people walking by. In fact, it became so well known that people were coming by the table going, where do I get this blue drink and what is this for? I remember Namely was so happy because they had, I think we had about a hundred people at their booth for about an hour, you know, for that chat time. Other people would come by, what's going on? And that was very special. And that goes back to that relationship that we've been able to have with Namely over the years. We've been fortunate for that because I don't think, Wendy, I think you'd agree. That's probably the height of our coolness when it came to big HR conferences and throwing events. We did one other really cool one, but I think that's got to be up there and to be chat related, no less. I would call that the highlight of any event, live event that we've done for sure. And the riddle is solved of the disappearing drinks. I like that. Yes. And fun fact, Melanie, did you know that I had to, and I don't care the people we worked with at Namely then are not there anymore. And the new folks that listen, I think they'll be cool. We had to talk them into doing the chat on Sunday night. They wanted to move it to Monday and have it on the floor on Monday night, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Has to be Sunday night, grand opening of the hall. That's when everybody's going to be there. They are not going to come on Monday night because they're going to go have dinner and do all the other fun stuff that goes on at big HR conferences. We have to do it on Sunday night. Please trust me. And when we got done, I'll never forget the person we worked with directly there looked at me and goes, I cannot believe we made this happen. And I said, I told you we could. I'd say that's one of our major achievements, being able to do that. It was awesome. It was so much fun. So much fun. Well, Melanie, as you know, we have been outsourcing. And so former guest Nikki Ramirez asks, without naming names, what is something someone taught you at work that wasn't true? So they taught me and told me, I guess I'm going to say more than taught, they told me that we are an organization that's committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And that wasn't true. People really think they are, and they don't have the actions to back that up. 
So it's not spiteful. It's not malicious. But I will say that's a untruth that I've been told more than once. And something that people have taught me saying, oh, this is a great organization. You know, we know what we're doing when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. There'll be no issues here. It's not true. And so I invite other people to think about that. And I think about that deeply. I think about my role in that and what are my responsibilities as an HR professional and as just as a human on this planet. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is Mike Sipple Jr., your friend from talentmagnet.com. On behalf of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast community, John and Wendy, we want to thank you. Thank you for leading well. Thank you for bringing all of the fellow guests, sponsors, listeners, and creating this amazing international network. You have truly lived out your mission to connect, give back, and network. As a sponsor of this month, I want to welcome everyone to check out talentmagnet.com backslash HR social hour for a giveaway that is intended for you and your team. John and Wendy, thank you again. We salute you for your leadership, your mission, and your vision to bring this international community together. Thank you so much. And we are back. Melanie, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. And because you've been here before, you get the shortened version. What career did you dream of having as a child? I dreamt of being a teacher. And here I am. I landed in that role. I feel so blessed. I think there's lots of ways to be a teacher. And I hope to be able to continue that well into the future. I'm sure you will. I think it is safe to say, Melanie, you are one of a handful of people that have answered that question that actually ended up where you thought you would end up or wanted to be. How many marine biologists have we had on the show? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm going to interject here, too, because I'm a big fan of Adam Grant, and I've been leading so much of his work. And he said, we shouldn't be asking children what they want to be when they grow up. Think, And I'm asking myself this question because I'm a child at heart. Who do you want to be when you grow up? What values do you want to hold true to? And these are, you know, you ask a five-year-old, what? <laughs> it's like fire truck, the right, what's happening? And let's ask our colleagues that. You know, would it be neat if our listeners when talk to people around them and their own children and their own families and their own colleagues at work, like, who do you want to be? What values do you want to live? That to me is a just a wonderful question. That can help us evolve and do many neat things. I want to go on the record. When I was five, I wanted to be Spider-Man. So did my husband and Jesse. <laughs> well, John, you are our HR Spider-Man because you've created all that. these webs. Yes, you have. You've created <laughs> webs of networks and interlinks, the web of a community that you've created. So when do you get to be Spider-Woman? Because the community that you have both created and kept us connected and kept us engaged has been phenomenal. I'll be Gwen Stacy and Spider Gwen instead of Spider Woman. I'll just <laughs> say that much. Doesn't she get <laughs> I mean, Spider Gwen? Depending on what universe you're talking about, but uh, Spider Gwen is not dead. Okay, fair enough. Melanie, who's one person you met in the last year that you think more people should know? I'd like to give a shout out to Professor Bob. He's relatively new to our community, but Bob is a longtime professional, been involved in different roles senior HR capacity. I've had an opportunity to have an online chat with Bob. Just a brilliant man and just a dynamic career. 
started out in law enforcement. I think, how do you get from law? Oh, maybe that's a little too connected, actually, without much of the law. Let's not go there. I refuse to think we're the no fun police. Uh, but yeah, Professor Bob, please look him up, engage with him, learn with him and from him. Just an exceptional person. If you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? Attach that coffee cup lid a little better than, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, hey, solid advice. I, oops. <laughs> had a big presentation and had to walk in with the coffee state. Oops. Oh. Um, <laughs> it happens. The advice I would give myself is chillax. <laughs> it's it's going to all be okay. It's going to, in fact, be better than okay. When I say I'm living the dream, I, I meant it. Sometimes it's foggy. And yet sometimes the dream is a nightmare, but boy, what a dream it's been. Just so many beautiful opportunities, so many beautiful people, just so much to learn. I would say that would be my one piece of advice. And I'd give it to myself even now. Chillax. <laughs> What's your favorite and most memorable live performance you've ever attended? I can't say one of my own lectures. <laughs> oh, you could. <laughs> You very well could. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. <laughs> I've been fortunate again to see many different concerts. And I'm going to say one of my favorites was uh, seeing Jason Mraz. His name, even for those of you that aren't familiar with him, is M-R-A-Z or Z. Sorry. Canadian <laughs> American. Here we go. Uh-oh, it's, it's game time. So he calls himself Mr. A to Z. Jason is a poet, a philosopher, and an amazing musician. One of the reasons the show really stuck out is the opening act, who I can't even remember, was on, and they were good. And he came out because he wanted to see what was happening and just say hi to them and looked out at the audience. And he's like, wow. He's like, I, you could tell he was genuinely appreciative that people took the time and spent their money to come to a venue to listen to him. And he said that. He said, and I'll be back out later. And he said, but I just, you know, want to come out and thank the opening act and Thank all of you for being here. He was genuinely jazzed. Fun fact, he was also not wearing any shoes. <laughs> and, he did, and everyone was like, you know, oh, occupational health and safety. I think some HR person in the back had their head explode. <laughs> Must have been yelling at him because he's like, and when I come back out, I'll wear shoes. Okay. And he off, he sloughed. And so that was pretty memorable. Hey, I think that's a no-no on stage. That's pretty, that can be pretty dangerous. Fun fact, Jason Mraz is from the Richmond area. I did not know that. When I lived in Mechanicsville, which is north of town, he's from Mechanicsville. He was, I think he was probably in high school when I lived up there. <laughs> it was a while ago. Melanie, if you could be on any TV show, either as yourself or a character, what would it be? Well, I've been told I am a character, so I'll just go on as myself. I'm going to go on, and Deborah Jeffries is going to love this. I'm going to go on The Price is Right. <laughs> that's the tv show i want to be on and oh my gosh i would love to play the clock game i would win that's the one game i know i could win i got that down to an art <laughs> i know deborah thinks we should she loved family feud i think we should have an h hour social hour family go on family feud and we would kick some serious <laughs> gluteus maximus because i hear you deborah here here i'm competitive too and uh yeah we we'd win big <laughs> Melanie, have you ever seen Perfect Bid? No. Okay, you got to seek this out. It's a documentary about this guy who figured out pricing on everything, basically was gaming the system, not maliciously, like he just loved the show. 
It's really <laughs> interesting. But yeah, it's called Perfect Bid. I don't know. It was on one of the platforms lately. I think you would find it very interesting. He would watch the showcases and figure out what everything was and started figuring out what the prices were and calculate everything in his head. And he would go all the time to just be around the show. Pretty wild. (laughs) And he basically got banned ultimately from being around. It's worse than being a card counter in Vegas. That's hilarious. (laughs) I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds phenomenal. But I will promise, unlike Neil Patrick Harris's character, on How I Met Your Mother, I will not go on the show and think that Drew Carey, the now host, is my long-lost father. Of <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that. <laughs> I just want to play the clock game, and I want to win. And, yeah, can you just see me? Come, and, come on down. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I can't. You would get picked. You would 100% get picked to be on. I'd be like, oh, too fun. Well, recently it was announced that it's going to be Melanie Peacock Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? All right, we're doing three things. One, we're all wearing whatever outfit we choose, but bright colors. Happy, colorful outfits, strutting our peacock pride in our multicolored, flamboyant, bright outfits. Two, we're watching game shows. (laughs) Any game show (laughs) of your choosing. I just love game shows of all sorts. Uh, yes, Price is Right's my fave, but all game shows. So you're going to stay home because you have the day off of work because, of course, it's a national holiday. I'm sure Justin Trudeau, that other Canadian, is going to approve that. So everyone's staying at home and uh, watching game shows in the States, too, of course, because it's going to just be a big, big holiday. So you're going to stay home in your fantastic outfit watching game shows. And the third thing you're going to be doing is writing at least five, maybe more, handwritten thank you cards. I love sending little notes to people. We've lost the art of the handwritten note, you know, and we'd be at home reaching out to people that really need to know how thankful we are for them. And, you know, I have this vision of all of us. The first two notes would be one to you, John, and one to you, Wendy, because I just know how thankful everybody is to all that you've done and the amazing influence and impact the HR Social Hour podcast has had. We appreciate that for sure, Melanie. Um, and yes, we'll be writing one back to you, of course. Be like, uh, I, I'm envisioning like a big uh, Valentine's Day, you know, when we're in school and everyone has their little box that's in front and you're walking around putting Valentines in, uh, in the little mailboxes that we get to decorate. <laughs> Final question, Melanie. Even though we're coming up to the end, if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? I would like them to tell us and share with us, how do you display, how do you enact allyship in the workplace? What is it that you actually do to help members of marginalized communities? So not just a policy, not just words on a paper. What is it that you actually do to put theory into practice good question melanie it's now in the book as we said at the open we could not think of a better person to have with us as we get to the end you are incredibly special to us and to this community and i appreciate that you talked about showing affection i will tell you that one of my favorite conference photos of all time is of you and me and the demon not really gene simmons but somebody dressed up like gene simmons 
at the big HR conference. You've got your leg kicked up. I've got my leg kicked up. He's got his tongue out. And it's just, it was so funny. I think that was the first time we had that year. I think that was the first year we had met. Like I said, we always say you're our favorite Canadian. Mm -hmm. That is not something we take lightly. You truly are. And we appreciate just so much being part of what we do in this community and part of our little part of the world being so far away. Well, sorry, I'm going to interrupt, and I know I'm supposed to now be quiet because we do the end, and I know you can edit <laughs> out, John, but I'm going to ask you to leave this part in if there's a way you can edit in or edit, not edit it out okay. if we can go a little longer. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about affection, though, before, and now I'll get a little emotional, and I warned you in advance because I tried to, I had a little cry before I signed on tonight to try and get it out of my <laughs> system, but it's not totally out of my system. I just hope that John and Wendy know the deep affection and appreciation we all have for you. I could not find the right words to say thank you for including me in this beautiful community. And I'm so appreciative of all the people that I've met and will continue to interact with. That's my long way of saying you're stuck with me. <laughs> Podcasts may end, but true friendships don't. You've taken professional relationships and associations and made them something deep and even more meaningful. And I, I did tear up when you told me you were inviting me back and that I would be one of the final episodes. It means more to me than I could properly express. And I just need you to know that. And I want you to know, and those listening in, I know they feel the same way. Just, just deep love for you. And again, we talk about using right words and trying to be professional. And I think it's time. The time has come, the wall was set. <laughs> and the peacock agrees. <laughs> to be just call it what it is and that's some beep your prof says that we love you we love you to bits thank you thank you melanie i'm going to keep that in however some of the listeners that maybe aren't connected with you now that they've heard all these wonderful things that you've talked about and want to get connected what's the best way for them to do that out there i would say just look me up on linkedin i'm dr melanie peacock you'll google me you'll see me there i am I'll be the one whose picture looks like she should be a contestant on The Price is Right. You'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> we will have that in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there? Best way, as always, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And, of course, second and fourth Sunday of each month, except Christmas Day, you will find me on Twitter, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, as part of our twice-monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, thanks to Talent Magnet Institute and Mike Sipple Jr. for sponsoring this episode. We appreciate him very much being part of this uh, final group of episodes. As for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, and follow. You'll get those new episodes, even though there are a few left. If you're following, you'll get them as they become <laughs> available. And the back catalog is not going anywhere. We will have it out and we're going to keep it out for the time being. If you're new to the show, welcome. And you can go back and listen because there were over 300 mm -hmm. episodes of all kinds of amazing people to listen to there. Still got giveaways. If you want a coaster, a sticker, something like that, message me. I did. I will tell everybody I turned my Twitter DMs off because I'm not a fan of some of the shenanigans I was getting there. So you can tweet me or contact me on the other socials. And I'd be happy to get something out to you. International listeners, that goes for you as well. I've got a whole bunch of international stamps left. And we would love to, <laughs> to send something so you can have a little piece of us wherever you may be. 
Again, Melanie, thank you so much for being you and for being part of the show. Yes. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.